BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. And just like that, your favorite besties and tastemakers, Benito Skinner and Mary Beth Barone are back. Did you miss us? You know they did. Join us every Wednesday on your way to Sephora to hear our witty, ridiculous and irreverent musings on life, the universe, existence and of course what we currently ride for. You're going to absolutely live slash die for this podcast. You might even, dare we say, ride ride for it. it. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And today I'm very happy to be joined by Erica Turner, licensed therapist, relationship coach, dating coach, and sort of reset. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome, Erica. Thank you. Uh, I know you've been doing this for eight years, and I think this is so valuable to people because honestly, re- um, dating in today's world, it is. It's kind of a mental health crisis out there for young girls, people getting back into the dating scene. It's a minefield, and I'm learning, and with all those apps. So what you're doing is really, really helpful to sort of every generation, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. Yes, it's been... Um quite the journey and it's never a dull day. The dating world is just saturated with so many options. And I think people are just struggling to find someone who they feel like they can truly connect with because people are just being pulled in so many directions. The options seem limitless and nobody seems to really want to settle uh, with one person. So, I mean, that's absolutely true. I think with, with Instagram, with social media, with you know, just daily lives, jobs, travel. I feel like the world's become a smaller place, which has made it such a big place for people that, you know, in a way, exactly what you said, why settle? Mm -hmm. And we're sort of, you know, people really think about it like that, like sort of, I can do better, but what is better? And if you're always looking at for something else, will we ever be able to find our life partner? Exactly. People are thinking, well, let me see what's next. Who's, who else is out there? Let me do, let me compare everyone that I come across before I make a decision. And to your point, it's, can we just be happy with what we have right in front of us? So how are people sort of navigating that? Or, or how are you, what, what, what happens when someone comes to you? Because obviously they're coming to you, I presume, single. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's single people coming to you for help. Yes. The majority of my clients are single. 
And the problem they find themselves in is chronically dating unavailable partners, emotionally unavailable partners or more avoidant partners, partners who are maybe narcissistic or have narcissistic traits. So they get caught in these toxic relationship cycles and they don't seem to know how to pull themselves out. They don't know how to advocate for themselves and show up in the relationship with strength and the ability to walk away when when needed. So that's usually how someone is presenting when I meet with them. I mean, I think that today, as I said, with apps, young people are slightly programmed to date multiple people at the same time. Mm -hmm. And actually, I had a friend of mine um, who told me that it was so toxic for his son, he decided to see what it was like with him. And after a while, he said, the trouble is, even if I liked one of the girls, by the time I'd, you know, been on dates with six or eight other girls, I'd forgotten what the one I liked was like. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I forgot to go back to her. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's just an impossible cycle. Yeah. And I always say, you know, there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong with dating multiple people at a time. You know, that's what dating is, right? We shouldn't put all of our eggs in one basket right away. But being able to be upfront and honest about, you know, what you're doing and not lead anyone on and show up in the relationship authentically and, you know, emotionally available for that person um, so that you can really get to know them past that initial chemistry and see if there's true compatibility. I mean, the funny thing is connection is really difficult. And it's uh, it's something, you know, I found when I found my second husband, Sergio, because I think when you're young, you don't really understand. You're so busy looking for the one that you've got to walk down the aisle with before you're left behind. So you have this added pressure from your parents to have kids, to do all of that. Then when you get divorced, I think, you know, a lot of people, because if you've been in a long marriage, it was easier for me because I wasn't desperately looking for somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I just wanted fun. So like I looked and I found, you know, somebody by accident, but it ended up that connection grew because I wasn't pressurizing him Mm -hmm. to have that next step with me because I couldn't have cared less if I did or I didn't at the time right Mm -hmm. so I think the you know he felt that I felt that and we just had this carefree amazing connection but other young people you know a lot of people force the connection or want to see a connection that's not there or you know think that sex is a connection and I think you know sometimes that can have the absolute polar opposite effect because there's so much that goes into having sex with somebody or, you know, there's so many, I don't know, you know, I feel like it's such a difficult thing. Do you have sex with somebody straight away? Do you not have sex with it? You know, how do you date today? I just find it like, I understand why second marriages sort of happen. Women that have been married find partners easier than single women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think especially single people go into relationships or go into dating, like you're saying, they jump all in right away. It's like they start fantasizing about, oh, I'm going to marry this person and start projecting this future and um, have all these expectations for somebody on a first date. You know, on a first date, clients will ask, so what are you looking for? Right. Instead of just being able to go into it, like you said, with ease and like, let's just have fun and let's see if we even like each other, even if we can just have a conversation before we start thinking about the future. Um, That's another huge problem that I see is just this emotional investment too soon, which I think just gets even more exasperated. Like you said, when we um, have sex with someone right away, we get, you know, that emotional 
feeling of a bond with that person and it makes it that much harder to just take things slow, take your time and really get to know somebody. And so how do you think is the best way to meet people today? Because, you know, I can't see, like, I mean, I live in Dubai and Dubai is a very, very difficult town because Mm -hmm. it's so transient. People genuinely, generally come here on holiday so that, you know, everybody's looking for fun or they pass through for business. Mm -hmm. So everybody's, you know, coming in and straight out. Mm Or they're, you know, married and in couples here. So it's a very hard place for, you know, a lot of people to meet decent people because nobody's looking for that here. It's sun, sand, sex, you know, glitz Mm -hmm. or it's parties or, you know, because it's just this wild lifestyle here. And, you know, I think about it and I actually was in New York and, you know, my friends told me that they had like two or three dates in one night because no one wants to commit to dinners anymore. Mm. Because if you don't like the person, then you're stuck for dinner with him. So you just say you're going to go for drinks now. Right. Like, I mean, what, what what do you suggest for people? So, 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 you know, what is your sort of mantra for, for people that come and see you? What, what do you suggest to young people or old people on how to get into the dating scene? Right. I think my number one thing that I always say is to focus just as much on your relationship with yourself as you are focusing on your relationship that you're trying to build with somebody else. Know yourself, know what you're looking for, know your values, know your standards, know how you want to be treated, know your boundaries, and show up in the relationship or the person you're seeing just authentically. Because I think people are afraid to show them show the the true version of themselves because they're afraid they're just going to get dismissed or rejected for showing some true side of them. But I think showing your true self is ultimately what's going to help you attract and align with somebody who's actually meant for you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the apps, you know, but just go into the apps without expectations. Like you said, just go into it light and open. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I also say to just put yourself organically in places where you're doing something you enjoy and other people are going to be in that space too. You said something about being organically you, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that um, actually is one of the hardest things young people have to do. Because I think, and I, I, you know, I've definitely been guilty of it. And I know Sergio Sergio has, because we talk about it when we were younger. I mean, you know, is that he said before me, he was never himself. And I have always lied to get the man. I mean, I said, I cooked. I said, I liked the Simpsons. I said, I, you know, I said ridiculous stuff um, just to get the second date or to get the date just because I wanted the guy to like me. And now I'm thinking, you know, I mean, that will never work. And I want to tell that to every young girl listening out there. It can never, ever work. If you start like that, it's only going to unravel because, you know, life is very long. But living authentically is probably one of the hardest things you can tell anyone to do. And also, as you know, in your 20s and probably early 30s, no one knows who the hell they are. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we're so afraid of showing that true self and what we really think, feel, need, prefer, want, that we just hide it because you just want that second date. You just want that relationship. But like you said, you're just presenting this faux version of yourself. You have this mask on and the mask is going to eventually come off. And then this person is going to see 
you? And is there still a connection there? Are you truly aligned? Um, and like you said, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. What are your suggestions? What are your tips yeah. for people? Um, you know, like. So, I mean, there's so many avenues to go down. I think first understanding what is driving that fear, right? What is driving your fear of showing that authentic self, right? And usually it's rejection. They're, they're going to leave. They're going to dump me. They're, they're going to ghost me. They don't want to see me again. And then what does that mean about you, right? We usually have some deep-seated meaning about what it means to be rejected. Um, usually I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. I'll never you know, be enough for someone. Um, so really exploring these like deep-seated core beliefs and understanding where they, they um, stem from. And I talk a lot about um, attachment with clients and exploring those early parent-child relationships because I think in those most intimate relationships from long, long ago, we learn how to relate. We learn about ourselves. We learn what to tolerate and what not to tolerate. So to answer your question, really exploring and getting to know yourself. Like you said, I think young people, you don't know who you are, what you like, what you prefer, what's driving you, your feelings, your needs, etc. So getting to know yourself, forging that relationship and connection back to yourself first and foremost is the number one thing I preach. Uh, second would certainly be learning what your needs are. What are your needs as a human being? What are your needs within a relationship? And being able to give yourself those needs so that you're not dependent. I see a lot of codependent clients who overly rely on someone else to make them feel good, to make them feel enough. And so you stay stuck. And then the third thing is boundaries. I think we show up in our relationships without boundaries not advocating for ourselves, allowing ourselves to be treated poorly because, again, like we said, we're too afraid to walk away. So getting to know yourself, knowing what your needs are, and setting boundaries are always my top three things that I advocate for for clients. And then I think another big thing is like older women, right? If you're on a second marriage and you've been married, say, as long as I was, 18, 20 years, a lot of people lose themselves in marriage, right? They don't know who they are without the other person. They don't know who they are as, you know, where they stand socially. Maybe they've lost their friends. They've lost their confidence. They've lost, you know, the the, the, the husband's left for a younger version. You know, all of these things. How do you teach people to get their confidence back? Because I always think confidence and mindset is like a switch. And I've been very lucky that, you know, no matter what's happened to me, I think maybe boarding school did that for me. I've always had to cope on my own. So mm -hmm. I found coping mechanisms and I found ways of talking to myself and going like, mm -hmm. you know, buck up. You can do this. You're going to be fine. Nothing's the end of the world. You'll get through it. Whereas I think, you know, then I see other friends of mine in the same situation and they're literally in a crumpled heap at the bottom of the stairs in a ball going, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't want to, you know, let the world in and I'm not going to go out and I'm never going to mm -hmm. date again and the world's over. You know, I, it's like fight or flight or thrive. And I feel like out mm -hmm. of my divorce, I've thrived. But lots of people stay mm -hmm. in this black hole for years. What would you suggest to those kinds of people? Yeah, I think that um, the the lack of confidence is rooted in this feeling of unworthiness, this feeling of I'm not enough without my partner. My partner dumped me or broke up with me, divorced me. I'm meaningless. I don't have any worth. So, of course, there's no sense of confidence or feeling sure of oneself. 
again, exploring those deep-seated core beliefs about what your worth is defined by. If I'm walking around with this core belief that my worth is defined by someone else, my worth is defined by whether someone else chooses me, that, that belief is going to keep me stuck. So I think we need to uncover and unlearn these deep-seated core beliefs that drive our behavior first and foremost. I mean, you know, what what do you think brings people confidence? Because it's it's very hard as well. Like, you know, some people, you know, they, they go on a first date, they like the guy, they, they really think they've had a great time. That happens a lot. And then mm-hmm. the guy never calls them back or mm-hmm. he never calls again. Or they've had, you know, maybe they've been on three dates, they've had sex and they think now they're going into a relationship. And again, the guy disappears. Mm-hmm. That can be really difficult for people and quite crushing. And Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, I I went on dates before when I was younger and like, you know, it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to be. But again, I'm kind of like a bit of a tough cookie. I'm like, well, you know, next. But lots Mm -hmm. of people can't do that. Yeah. For me personally, I couldn't do that because of what I believed it meant that this person walked away. It means I'm not enough that this person didn't call me back or this person didn't want to see me again. And I had to do some deep internal work about the beliefs that I held specifically about my worth and what other people's behavior meant about who I was. So there's really this this kind of idea of detaching and separating myself from somebody else's behavior. Somebody else's behavior cannot define me. And I think kind of going back to what we were saying earlier about if I don't know myself, because like you were saying, in long-term relationships, we can kind of get lost in the marriage and in our relationship. So if I don't know who I am, it's going to be really hard to feel confident in who I am. You know, it's like telling someone to build a fence around a house that's not there. You know, you can't, you can't feel confident in yourself if you don't know who you are. So I know a lot of this has come out of um, your own experiences through life and your dating experiences. I mean, walk me through what that kind of looked like and why you sort of decided to do this for other people. Yeah, I mean, I was totally in cycles of dating emotionally unavailable people, avoidant people. What is, sorry, uh, let me just stop you a minute. What is an emotionally unavailable person? Because, you know, it's like, for me, I want to just clarify that because I hear all the time, he's a playboy, he's a player, he's this, he's that, but they always settle. They always do. It's just, you weren't the one. Um, and at some point they do. So what does that, what does that mean to you? So I understand it because I always think that's a bit of a cop out. Like you just weren't the right person for that guy, even if it was me, you know what I mean? Like anyone, like, I feel like everybody has their, their sort of, you know, they find the person in the end, but you weren't that person. What is emotionally, what does that actually mean? I'm just asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I define it as someone who is not meeting your emotional needs. Personally, not to the whole world. Yeah. For you. For you. Okay. So, so it's not like, you know, when someone describes a man as a player. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because like you're saying, he may meet somebody else and be like, oh, I like her, jump all in. Yes. Right. So for so if, if this person is showing up emotionally unavailable for you, if they're inconsistent, if they're hot and cold, if they're unreliable, if they're wishy-washy, if they don't want to commit, if they don't want to go below the surface, right? If they like to keep conversations 
you know, just surface level, you know, if their actions don't align with their words, you know, the breadcrumbing stuff, right? Like seeing you whenever it's convenient for them and then just kind of ghosting you until they call you again, right? All that sort of just they're unavailable and, and they keep you around for fun to stroke their ego, you know, when they're bored and have nothing else to do. They're not available for you in the ways that you need them to be. And with all that awareness and information, it's just time for you to disengage because they clearly are showing you that they're not that into you. Why do you think guys ghost? I think it's easier than having a direct conversation to just say, hey, I'm not that into you, you know, because that requires a level of emotional maturity and vulnerability and uh, just some direct communication. And I think people just want to avoid that uncomfortable conversation. They don't want to hurt your feelings. And it's easier to hurt your feelings by ghosting you than to just tell you directly. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, I think that, you know, it, it's all to do with, in the end, if you have the confidence and you hold the power that you'll attract the right man into your life at the right times. That's what you're saying. But, you know, mm-hmm. what about things like, I, I know a lot of girls that think, okay, well, you know, but in two dates, maybe if I have sex with him, he'll stay. But does that really work? I don't think that, um, you know, physical, sex, intimacy, I don't think those things secure a relationship. You know, I think that, you know, people want to be in a relationship because of something beyond just that physical level. Um, I think we kind of are missing that emotional intimacy. And I would advise, you know, young girls, all all women to enter relationships, not kind of feeling like they have to give something to get something, right? That it should be evolving and developing organically and you and you wanna feel like we're just on the same page, that I don't have to perform this act, right, to to make you choose me. What was it that sort of was a light bulb moment for you then? My light bulb moment was uh, being broken up with and crying, crying, crying. And I said, you treated me so poorly. And he said, why did you let me? And that was my light bulb because it was what I was allowing. It was what I was tolerating. It was what I was accepting. And that kind of led me on my path to understand why was I allowing it? Why did I let this person treat me this way? And that was really my turning point. And so now, like, are you married? Are you happily dating? Yes, Yes, I'm married now. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I think, showing up differently not tolerating this treatment, not allowing myself to stay small, right? Not hiding my feelings, not dropping my boundaries. All of those things just allowed me to show up in the dating world a completely different person. And I was then letting in different types of people because if you show up without boundaries, you're basically saying, yeah, treat me however you want. I'll tolerate anything. So what sort of boundaries would you put in place? Like name some. Yeah, some boundaries. I mean, even little things like you're saying about, um, well, it's not so little, uh, sex, 
right? You know, what, what boundary are you going to have for yourself? This isn't even something you have to communicate to the person you're dating. You know, asking yourself, what do I need from this other person? What, what do I need to have experienced with this person to know that I feel comfortable and safe and ready to sleep with them, right? Like, what do I want to know about them? How do I want them to show me that they can treat me? Like, that's a boundary that you set for yourself, you know, an internal boundary. I will not sleep with this person until X, Y, and Z. Um, that's just one example. You know, boundaries around what you prefer, how you want to be treated. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on and on about boundaries. Yeah, I think they're essential for communicating to somebody else what you will and will not tolerate. And most of your clients are sort of young girls? I would say mid-20s to late 40s, early 50s. Yeah. Um, it's quite the range. Yeah. I find that, you know, as I said, I think young girls put too much pressure on finding their happiness with men. And if I ha could say one thing to young girls out there is that there is no rush, that, you know, life is is not on this sort of um, roller coaster or this, you know, giant sort of funfair ride that we have to go through at a million miles an hour. And if you can just sit yeah. back and actually divorcees too, and, and people that just haven't been just to relax into it a little bit and relax into and let life take it the way, take you in the direction that sort of we all sort of naturally get pulled. We'd all enjoy it a lot more, I think, that it's not this competition between other women to see mm -hmm. who reaches each goalpost first which is I think the the one thing that we've all been conditioned to do as kind of mm -hmm. like keeping up with the Joneses that we have to sort of feel you know that we are doing things at the same speed or the same rate as our friends which I just think is the wrong way of looking at anything and I think men have just changed as well that men have just well, the world's changed so much that not looking for a, a life partner so early on anymore and that, you know, people want to have freedom a bit, little bit longer and it's nothing, nothing wrong with it either. Maybe you make your, I mean, I, I'm seeing, I think a lot of people got married way too young. And mm -hmm. I think now maybe th taking your time and easing into all of this is, is not a bad thing for us all. No, no, I think. Times have changed. We're able to take the time to get our to get to know ourselves first, what we want, what we're looking for, to connect to ourselves and know ourselves. And that way, it's like, okay, I have this idea of who I am, and now I can take that into the dating world and compare and contrast. Okay, this is what this person is showing me. Do I like that? Right? Are they are they aligned with me? Do I like them? Um, because if I go into dating not knowing myself, I'm essentially this blank slate and I don't even know what I like and what I don't like. So when somebody does something, it's like, I just accept it. I'm, I'm totally unaware of myself. That was my experience. I just didn't see myself. I didn't know myself. I didn't notice myself and it led me down many toxic roads. I think Erica, that's a great place to sort of end this and say, you know, to everybody listening out there, which is, and I totally preach what you're saying as well, is that the most important thing, and I don't think I really learned who I was either until I was probably 40. So if I could teach anyone anything is to focus on you ourselves and learn who you are so that you can pick the person who compliments you rather than you feeling that you have to compliment them 
and turn yourself into something that you're just not. Because as you said, the mask always falls off. So thank you, Erica, for that, because, um, you know, it is one of the toughest things that we have to do and learn. Um, really good, lovely speaking to you. Can you tell everybody how to find you? Yes, my Instagram is your.relationship.reset. Um, so you can find me on Instagram there. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. 